0: Hello, this is Karen Kennedy, and today we'll be mapping continuous glucose monitoring on the 15 Minute Matrix.
1: Welcome to the 15 Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist, and your host. And all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Karen Kennedy. Karen is an integrative and functional nutritionist and a blood sugar hacker. She holds an MS in nutrition from Bastyr University and is board certified with the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy. She's a certified nutritionist in Washington state, and also a certified National Diabetes Prevention Program lifestyle coach. Karen uses continuous glucose monitors with clients and groups as a tool for education, accountability, and as a diagnostic. And as we all know, labs and even glucometers only tell us so much. As we'll explore, Karen's work shows that short-term use of a CGM provides a fuller picture of metabolic health, and more importantly, helps us to put all the information and control back into our clients' hands. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for having me. So CGMs, Karen, are continuous glucose monitors. They're such a hot topic these days, and you have actually cracked the code. So we're going to have to talk about why blood sugar matters for more than just diabetes management or prevention. But before we go there, can you tell us what a CGM is and what it does? Yes. So
0: a CGM is a continuous glucose monitor. And what's important is this is different from a glucometer. A CGM actually doesn't measure blood glucose. It's a device, it's a medical device that sits on your skin, usually your arm, and it has a filament in there that measures the glucose levels in your interstitial fluids. And of course, this also relates to your blood glucose. So you use these to get a continuous or near-continuous feed of what your blood sugar is doing 24-7.
1: These devices have changed so much over time. I've watched them evolve from like a decade ago where I have to say I wore my first continuous glucose monitor that somebody had to actually like put on me. And it was this device that I was carrying around. What's happened and what have we learned through this evolution of the technology? Well, a few things that have happened. They've become much easier to use.
0: They've become much less expensive. And we have learned that they are not just for diabetes management. They can be used to help reverse diabetes, to prevent diabetes and optimize health. And of course, improve all the other aspects of health that blood sugar connects to.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we've looked at blood sugar on the podcast from a number of different angles. And and for us at the Functional Nutrition Alliance, blood sugar management is part of a non-negotiable trifecta, as we like to call it, sleep, poop, and blood sugar balance. If those aren't in place, it's hard to build any health regime over that, right? Because you're working on quicksand. So from a physiological and psychological perspective, and from your work, Karen, Why should we be concerned about blood sugar outside of the obvious diagnoses?
0: My answer to that has changed since I started using continuous glucose monitors extensively in my practice. Before, I would have said that based on my education and my experience that blood sugar, intuitively, we know that it prevents diabetes and cardiovascular disease And it helps to maintain a healthy weight because we know dysregulated blood sugar leads to visceral fat. So that is still there. But the other reasons we would use it that have become so obvious to me that I just couldn't ignore them anymore is what a profound effect real blood sugar mastery like tight control of your blood sugar has on your stress levels, on your sleep, on inflammation, on your liver function, and then that just bleeds out into other things. You know, if you look at the matrix, even, you know, the mind, spirit, emotions part of it, I think the biggest thing it's giving my clients, the people who start to learn how to use it, is it gives them control over their diet. Like it, it actually gives them information. And once they start getting control over their blood sugar, they find their cravings reduced and they know without a shadow of a doubt how their food affects their blood sugar. There's no more guessing. There's no more trusting the latest health guru who's telling them this diet is good for you. This will improve your blood sugar and this, even when you have a trusted practitioner, there's still this element of faith and trust and you're doing everything they recommend. And that's actually a tall order for some people to have to do everything they recommend and trust that hard work will help. And this sort of cuts in there and says, rather than trusting someone to tell you what's going to improve your blood sugar, we're going to put this device on you and we're going to try on some things. We're going to try out some strategies and you're going to see what works for you. And then all of a sudden that person goes from being this passive patient, doing what someone tells them. And now they become an active participant. They become the scientist and the subject. And they learn for themselves exactly what works and exactly what doesn't, and it gives them agency.
1: I love that you're talking about agency in this way, Karen, because I think... We have like turned over our agency to too many, as you said, of the health gurus who are telling us what to eat, what not to eat, and blood sugar balance, as I understand it, and I'd love for you to speak into this, is very bio-individual, and the research is showing us that there are individualized glycemic responses. So to embrace the tracking in the data as part of our self-awareness, where we know ourselves better, is really what does drive that that agency, but also that elusive, and I don't like the word compliance, but that elusive compliance where somebody is just disconnected from the recommendations that they're receiving. So what kind of results are you seeing people get that may be surprising or really fall into that individualized response from wearing a CGM? I have a lot of
0: surprising results. One of the big surprises for me over having done this, because I, I feel really lucky. I get to actually do a sort of a research study because I, I don't just work with one-on-one. I set up, you know, group programs. I work with whole groups of people who share their data with me and we can see what works with everyone and everyone gets to see what works for everyone else. And in the beginning, when I started using these with clients, I'd say, why don't you just wear this for a few weeks? Let's see if blood sugar is a factor. And I would look and see if their blood sugar response. And just to back it up, when I set their range, you know, for blood sugar, we, we talk about being in range and the go-to range is often 70 to 180 mg per deciliter. I tighten that up and take it to 70 to 140 because I find if you don't at least stay under 140, you're not going to make a lot of progress. If I saw people staying in range 100% of the time, you know, I would say, oh, well, maybe blood sugar is not a factor and this isn't something that, you know, you need to focus on, especially if it was someone who it was a hard sell to. And then we would drop it and move on to other things. But since doing these group programs where I have somebody committed to, say, four weeks of using this and we're learning all the blood sugar hacks, the kind of stuff we've always taught as nutrition professionals, I see people going from blood sugar that looks fine, 100% in range, coming down to baseline between each meal, nice and low overnight. They get tighter control. And that is where the magic is happening for them. Unexpected things. I've seen people do that. And that pain that they were having is gone, which means their inflammation has gone down. They can sleep better. And if they can sleep better, we know that their chronic stress, their cortisol levels are coming down. You know, Dr. Maggie Yu, I was just listening to her interview with her recently. Everything she talked about is everything I see as well.
1: Yeah, that connection to autoimmunity. And like you're saying, with sleep, then we impact the microbiome. We impact inflammation. We impact cortisol levels, which impacts the hormones, the thyroid, those deep connections. I love that you're making that and seeing that connection in those that you're serving.
0: The other surprise that I got was... Some people's hot flashes went away. So there's that hormone connection that, again, that estrogen dominance. Or, you know, when going through menopause, one of the people who I'm thinking of, she was well past menopause and having hot flashes, and they just went away. It informed me of what the far reaching effects are of getting a tight control over the blood sugar.
1: And I love how you're talking, Karen, not just about the individualized glycemic response. So, how we might all differ in our response to the foods we eat, but also an individualized response to blood sugar swings, which may be not peaks and valleys, but just hills and, you know, dips, that those hills and dips might also impact somebody and their signs and symptoms. I'm probably one of those people who has what appears to be a fairly tight blood sugar control that if I were looking with you, Karen, could probably be tighter. And I'd be curious to experience what that felt like in my body. Right. So let's get back to the CGMs as well you talked about how they're measuring the interstitial fluids. Can you just go into the technology a little bit more so that we understand like, why a CGM and why we might actually benefit from them in our practices? It's tricky
0: as a nutritionist, a dietitian, as a health coach, when you're not a prescriber, using a continuous glucose monitor is tricky because your clients need to get a prescription in the United States, not in Canada or Mexico. So you do need to loop in a provider. And that part, while that seems like a barrier, it has not been a barrier for me. I have found providers to be very forthcoming with that, but it has two advantages in that there are some great companies who have come up like Levels and Nutrisense who are offering this technology. And I love everything that they're doing. But when you do it through your doctor, it does two things. It makes it less expensive for your client. This is under $90 a month that they can get this for. And it also does loop in their primary care physician. And, you know, as providers, the more support they have, the more collaborative we can be. And the more we bring their primary care doctor on board to how blood sugar affects all these other things that can only benefit our client. I think that is really great for our profession. Not only does it give us another tool for our toolbox, but it allows a better collaboration between us and a provider. But in terms of as a tool, what this does, especially if you're working with people who have diabetes, type 2 diabetes, they can be using a standard glucometer where you just get those snapshots of glucose. And here's one great example. If they're waking up in the morning and they are seeing low blood sugar, or high blood sugar. This could be caused by different things. For example, we'll often see an elevated blood sugar in the morning with people with prediabetes and type 2 diabetes, and we call that the dawn effect. You know, cortisol kicks in, thank goodness, gets us out of bed, and all that elevates, tells the liver gluconeogenesis, and when the liver is overloaded with all that energy, instead of just spitting out a little bit, it spits out a lot. It's unloading the liver, which is actually pretty good. So if it's just the dawn effect, you know, we want that to go. We want that lever to clear out the excess energy. That's part of the process of healing if you're doing all the other helpful things. But sometimes it can be caused by like the Samoji effect, which is when there's overnight hypoglycemia because the liver is really having trouble regulating blood sugar overnight. And if you just get a snapshot in the morning of the elevated blood sugar, and you don't treat a smoji effect, that's going to keep happening. It's going to disrupt their sleep. And of course, you're just triggering the sympathetic nervous system in the middle of the night, which right. nobody needs. No. And so when we can see that overnight data, because if you collect your data as soon as you wake up in the morning, the technology, that little sensor that sits on your arm or your chest, wherever you put it, that holds eight hours of data for you. That holds eight hours of data. And then when you scan it with your phone, it picks up all eight hours and you see what was happening overnight. So you can see, oh, if it's a smoji effect, then you know, ah, I know I told you that fasting overnight is important. I know I told you that let's stop eating two to three hours before bedtime was really helpful. But in this case, I'm going to say, why don't you have a high protein snack? Have A spoonful of peanut butter, or a piece of cheese before bed. And lo and behold, it helps their liver stabilize glucose overnight.
1: Yeah, I love that feedback loop. You know, I like to think of it as the art of the practice assess, recommend, track. And that tracking leads us back to the further assessment that shifts our recommendations and that continues to be cyclical. So, when you're looking at data, what's the time period where you feel like you have enough data on an individual or an individual would have enough data about themselves? to start to think about what's an outlier versus a pattern that requires some kind of intervention or recommendation?
0: Yeah. This might be a roundabout answer, but this is what I find to be helpful. So I'm primarily using the Freestyle Libra sensors because they are inexpensive and really accessible and they last for 14 days at a time. So my world runs in two week increments. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I usually advise people in my groups and one-on-one that the first sensor, when the first sensor goes on, you are just collecting data. Just go about your normal life and watch and see what happens. You know, it's very easy using their free app to enter your food. You can, in the morning say, slept horribly, slept great, did a workout here, had a bologna sandwich, had a bowl of cereal, had coffee. And so you can just start putting those in so that when we look at the data together, we can start connecting the dots. So they and we can start seeing exactly how what they normally do affects their blood sugar because they're going to be surprises. And I don't want people to stop doing anything they enjoy if they don't have to. We spent about two weeks. And as you and I know, as everyone knows, once you start watching it, you are automatically going to start making changes. There's no way around it because really these are like a video game from my friends who just need dopamine hits throughout the day for rewards. <laughs> this is like a video game to help you make, good, make changes. So that's the first two weeks. And during that time, what's usually happening is they're learning about how carbohydrates metabolize. They're learning about how blood sugar works, how insulin works, how protein slows, you know, with the kinds of things that can create that time release effect and flatten the curve on your blood sugar. So over the next two weeks, they're starting to implement some of those, what I call hacks and what you and I would just call, you know, how we regulate blood sugar. So they start to implement them. They start, you know, like when I'll see their data and say, wow, that that really spiked your blood sugar. And I'll look at the meal and maybe they went to a steak restaurant and they had a steak and a baked potato and a salad and some bread and a glass of wine. And they had a great night, but it destroyed their blood sugar. We'll say, well, let's not take your date night off. menu. Let's keep that there, but let's change the order a little bit. Let's, why don't you have your steak and salad first, skip the bread for now, have your steak and salad first, and then have your baked potato. Fine. Have it loaded. See what happens. And lo and behold, we see they eat much the same thing at the same restaurant, enjoying their date, but their blood sugar is so much better because, you know, as you and I know, eating protein at the start of a meal slows gastric emptying or fad, or things, and then what comes after it, like baked potato, that's just going to go in that much more slowly. So same meal, same food, different order, different result.
1: Beautiful. I love this so much, and that there's that data and that feedback loop happening. Karen, is there something that you wish all providers knew about CGMs that we were all implementing that you just feel like, oh my gosh, why is this happening in this little sector when we can all benefit? If there was something like that, what would it be? Yes.
0: Remember that there's a difference between needing a prescription to get a continuous glucose monitor and getting insurance coverage for a continuous glucose monitor. This is important for patients, dietary professionals, and prescribers. We can prescribe a continuous glucose monitor even if insurance doesn't cover it keeping in mind that it's going to cost them $40 every two weeks. So it's okay that it doesn't cover it. And in fact, I have found a lot of my clients without diabetes, once their doctors see how much it benefits them, lo and behold, the doctor goes to bat for them and they get insurance to cover it 50 to 100%, even without diabetes.
1: That was such a great, I'm going to call it a practice pearl, Karen. So I loved when you said it earlier that you work in that way and you find providers will often partner in that way. So I think you gave us today a lot of practice pearls and a lot of clinical pearls. Thank you so much for the work you do and sharing your brilliance with us. Thanks for having me. It was really a pleasure. The 15 Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio and special thanks to Natalie Merrill, Alia Hale... Pamela Geismar, and Rowan Bradley for their support in making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your client's issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.